We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up, what up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, this is your boy Will Weir checking in. How you doing? How you living? We're almost there, folks. We are basically a week away from the start of the regular season. It's almost time. And to help me break down the Celtics' fourth preseason game, joining me tonight, we have my best friend, co-host, and the coach of our podcast, the one and only Greg Benakis. What a do, my dude. I'm feeling great, man. Celtics look awesome. Ready to ready to get into this. Ready for the regular season to start, bro. Right. So just real quick, before we get into preseason game four, isn't it wild to think about where, I mean, we're one week away from this. The next time we see the Celtics and Knicks play, it's opening night or opening night for the Celtics, Madison Square Garden. Tuesday night will be the official uh, NBA opening night. But Wednesday night, Celtics, Knicks kick it off. I, we're almost there, man. It's it's a really, really exciting feeling to feel like we're this close to being back to the regular season. Is it weird that I'm like this excited about preseason basketball? No, because this is what we do, man. This is this yeah. is what we do. And like, <laughs> you know, y- y- me, you and Adam have talked a lot about it, especially in August. Like this is one of the first real off seasons. Mm-hmm. Not just for us covering, but but well, well, kind of for us covering because it's all been so weird with COVID. There's been so many exceptions, you know, and like the Celtics went to the finals the year before. And so everything just kind of steamrolled into one. This had a little bit of a, you know, a, 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 it played out a little bit slower this offseason. Mm-hmm. And so it, I mean, it hit a lull where it was really tough to figure out what else we're going to say. And then, of course, in what's become classic Celtics fashion, you know, night before uh, media day training camp. It, it's just been, it's, it's been on, right? Like ding, 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 ring the bell. Like we, we've had topics nonstop. We've had material nonstop. And now we're just so excited that with all of this news, there's, there's physical, actual basketball to talk about. Like it's, there's real things, real tangible things, not just, Hey, let's simulate in our mind or fire up 2k and, and think about what this looks like. We're actually getting to see it. So I don't think you're in the wrong at all. And I think most Celtics fans feel that way. 
Yeah, and the garden's popping already. Um, you know, they they mentioned on the broadcast that last year Friday night didn't quite have like a Friday night feel. It didn't feel like an outing. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this how sometimes the garden crowd can you know can wait to get into it versus being into it right from the get go. And I think the team had like gr- grown a little stale, even though people were still excited to see. You know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, what were they going to become? Rob Williams, how many lob dunks could he have in one game? Marcus Smart diving on the floor. When you see the same product put out there year in and year out, it does grow a little bit stale. So I think that we have Drew Holiday in the fold. We have the brand new coaching staff. Jeff Van Gundy's in the mix. We got Chris Tapps Porzingis. And then, you know, without Marcus Smart there, just like the idea that we have to watch this new this team kind of coalesce and become something brand new. I think everybody's excited just to watch brand new basketball, and I am too. Yeah, it's a little bit. I, th- I think this was, I think Theo Epstein talked about this maybe on on the Bill Simmons podcast a couple years ago where he was saying at 10 years after anything, it just it just gets stale. The Celtics weren't quite at 10 years, but you think Marcus Smart was here for nine years. The Jays have mm-hmm. been here for the majority of that time, and we've talked a bunch about, we, we've seen for the last three to four years, oh, we can't beat a zone. Oh, we can't, you know, have a functioning offense late in, ga- in certain games. And so to your point, that staleness was there. And from the first preseason game this season, you felt a different atmosphere. And, and you know, Drew Holiday, Chris Stapps has talked about this a lot. You know, I think you can see on Chris Stapps' face that this is a little bit of a shock for him. I'm sure, you know, because c- the Garden was kind of pop, Madison Square Garden, that is, was kind of popping during his his rookie season or his first couple of years in the league. With, mm-hmm. with, so I'm sure this is kind of, you know, he's been in, you know, um, he, he's been isolated from, from this type of environment for the last couple of years between COVID playing for the Mavericks and then being in Washington. And, and so for him, you can see it, that it's, it's just different. And it feels good that not only is there an excitement, you know, inside the organization, but with the fan base, it feels like there is a lot of excitement to get this, to get this season going. So with that being said, tonight after a game, Greg, let's do what we always do and let's queue up the morning box score. One twenty-three, New York Knicks one ten. Celtics improved to three in one on the preseason. Let's start with the New York Knicks. Quentin Grimes, twenty-two points tonight, seven of twelve from three. Twelve points for Mitchell Robinson to go along with seven rebounds. Fifteen points for Dante Divincenzo. Sixteen points for Deuce McBride. Six assists, four steals, and some really, really impressive defense in certain situations from Deuce McBride. Shout to Quentin Grimes, also who I mentioned at the top. That dude can shoot the hell out of the ball. Let's go over to the Celtics. This is where we'll spend the majority of our time here tonight. Of course, we got to start with the guy at the top. That's Jason Tatum. He had 28 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals, 1 block, 5 of 8 from 3-point line, 9 of 15 overall. Jalen Brown, 17 points, 6 assists tonight, 3 of 7 from 3. Chris Stapps, Porzingis. 20 points, 8 rebounds, 8 of 13, 4 of 8 from the field. And Greg, I want to predict that I'm going to say this a lot of times when we do these recaps after the game. Chris Stapps had 20 points tonight. Feels like he easily could have had 30 because all the looks he gets are are just amazing. And we'll talk about that more here in just a second. Derek White, 9 points, 5 rebounds and assists. Drew Holiday, 10 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 15 for Sam Hauser off the bench, knocking down 3 triples, and preseason P chipped in with 11 points as well. Greg, I think likely 
Who knows? Joe Missoula, he's a madman. We call him Crazy Joe Missoula for a reason. We'll see what happens on Thursday night in Charlotte, but I would imagine this is likely the last that we see of the main Celtics rotation. So take this where you will. This, If this is the last time that we see these main rotation players, what from tonight's game really jumped out at you? I think the ease to which the Celtics were getting some of their looks. You know, we had Jason Tatum 9 for 15 from the field, 5 or 8 from 3, 5 for 5 from the line, but he was getting anywhere he wanted on the court. Chris Haps Porzingis, you know, he's getting people wide open shots. He's getting himself wide open shots. Anytime they run a high pick and roll action, pick and pop action with Chris Haps, he's either 10 feet of space for a walk-in three-pointer, which he's going to knock down 50% of the time, or people are overreacting to him and you know they're maybe they're sending two to the ball or what whatever it is and we're getting other people you know four on three action and wide open shots in the corner so that Tatum and Porzingis pick and roll uh really stood out to me as like a staple that the Celtics can go to mm-hmm. I think one other thing that stood out to me was Jalen Brown's willingness to make the extra pass he led the team in assists tonight with six yeah assists. that was a little shocking a little surprising seeing that yeah and he had some really nice um I, I guess just like looks, some some of it wasn't actually executed, but there are a few times where you could see him thinking to make the extra pass. He came off pick and roll a couple times with Porzingis. He tried to throw that behind the back pass that Tatum likes to do um, back to the pick and pop three that I saw with Al. Um, so those are the things that stood out to me, just the way that Porzingis is kind of allowing Tatum and Brown to find ways to play off of each other, you know, which is something mm-hmm. that a lot of people have been looking for over, over time. And I think Porzingis's professionalism in the pick and pop and the pick and roll is really standing out to me as something that the Celtics have been sorely lacking over the past three to five years. Yeah, for for, for, for better or worse, because we're always going to be scared every time Chris Tapps Porzingis takes a leap or goes through the lane in traffic, he, he very well may be the, the key to the Celtics season and certainly their ceiling. I think we've replaced Rob Williams' ceiling with, with the Chris Tapps Porzingis ceiling. And this is you know, the, this, this is a church, right? The, the church ceiling here is what we're looking at with, with Chris Dapps Porzingis. It's very high up there. But to your point, you know, the way that he opens up the offensive side of the ball for this team, it, it's just been staggering in the, in the, I think, three games that we've seen Chris Dapps play. It's, it's really stood out in the different ways in which it happens, both from the three-point line, from the short roll and getting good looks in the mid-range, from, you know, getting the lobs at the rim, the one from Peyton Pritchard late in the game. You know, that was another wrinkle. Peyton Pritchard and Chris Stapp's two-man game. I, I, I mean, that was just a little little taste of that late. How'd you, how'd you like that? I liked it. Great, man. I, I think the the idea that we're having, you know, that lineup that Missoula put out there for the beginning of the fourth quarter where he had Pritchard, the two bigs, Hauser, and who was the last uh, guy? Banton that was, was in the there? last guy. Out and there. Banton. I, I, right? think, and, I think more than likely that might sometimes be in, in a more realistic lineup, maybe Holiday or maybe White, but I think Banton was the guy tonight. Right. And just to see Missoula trying out some different things and, to, and really entrust Peyton Pritchard that second stint that Pritchard got in the first half, when he came out after his first stint, I thought he was done, right? And Tatum had been on the court for a while. Derek White had been on the court for a while. So I was really wondering how Missoula was going to handle the end of half rotation. Um, and he ended up going to Pritchard and he ended up going to Hauser and giving them a second stint in the first half, I think is so important for 
a guy like Pritchard to get his confidence and know that he's going to have, like Missoula's looking for opportunities to get him back on the court, looking for opportunities to weaponize Hauser. There was this great play that the Celtics ran. Um, they started out in a horns action with Hauser in the left corner, and they, they ended up going pick and roll with the the ball side big and the weak side big and the weak side wing set a double staggered pin down for Hauser who came all the way from the other baseline wrapped around for a wide open three off a double stagger in the second half. And I thought that was just such a beautiful play construction. Um, they're looking to get Hauser shots. This is something that I was clamoring for last year. I know you've been clamoring for for a couple of years now <laughs> is when Sam Hauser's on the court you have to look at that thing as a nuclear weapon, right? He yeah, anytime weapon, he can he can go off at any time, and that's another thing that really stood out to me is just the way that the Celtics year two of Missoula ball they all seem to understand the purpose a little bit more. Yeah, twenty three of fifty two from three point range, knocked down a lot of threes, got a lot of really good looks, but but I think one of the interesting wrinkles within that for me was, you know, number one we we're get, we're hearing a little bit more from Joe, which I think is making it easier. For us to kind of understand w- what he's trying to do, like he even mm-hmm. talked about, he just he just wasn't ready for what happened last year. Yeah, and and, and, and I, I think him. you are seeing. I don't blame him either. And I, I think you're seeing a lot of that maturity. But I feel like even within the Celtics, still taking over 53s, uh, you know, and they I mean obviously knocked down 23 of them it was a great night for that. I still felt like there was some good variance in in the ways that the Celtics were getting those looks and other shots that they were taking. Uh, one play that just really stood out to me that I, you know, really wanted to see more of last year and we didn't. Uh, Al, Al Horford in the mid post, just let mm-hmm. the ball, and then you can have movement off of that, and you trust Al to make the right read. But but Al also has a, a really good mid range game that we yep. we never really utilized or back to the basket game. This in this case, he just kind of uh, I don't know if it was Mitchell Robinson or who was guarding him, but he just faced him up, didn't have the the angles. I think for the it was pass. Sims. Got, it yeah. might have been Sims, but yeah. you know, shot right over him, got that two point shot. We didn't see that a lot. You saw Drew Holiday in the post at one point tonight. That was something I asked for a lot with Marcus Smart because I felt like we always got good looks when we ran it with Marcus. Now you can do it with Drew Holiday. We saw Tatum get some looks in the post. So to Missoula's points that he's mentioned, you know, in interviews this year, there's a variance to it. It it, it doesn't it it feels different in a very very positive way for me from what we're seeing so far. Definitely. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back from the break, we could talk about this uh, fourth preseason game. We could probably go like a whole hour and a half tonight. On yeah, this we're, 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 we'll, it's we'll getting at least two segments. Yeah, we'll yeah. do two <laughs> segments on it. Then we got we got some fun over unders here at the at the end of the podcast. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. All right, Greg. So w- we were talking about Joe Missoula, and I actually want to stick here for for a little bit. I think there's two big topics that that I want to talk about. L- let's go with the the probably the the one that's most prevalent. Let's talk about the starting lineup because this okay. is like I said, this is probably the last time that we see the main rotation of players. And there's only been yep. two games this preseason that we've seen the top six, which is really the Celtics bread and butter. Although Peyton Pritchard's kind of sitting over here like, guys, I'm the preseason MVP. What do I got to get? What do I got to do over here to, to, to make this uh, Celtics top seven? Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, we'll get there eventually. We'll get there eventually. But let's just focus on that top six because that's where the starters are going to be. So the very first game of the preseason, Drew Holiday comes off the bench. A lot of debate. Hey, is this maybe it was just, you know, he showed up to camp a few days before. So maybe it just made sense. That was kind of the, you know, the the thought process behind it. Tonight, Al Horford comes off the bench. You see them go with the Derek White, Drew Holiday backcourt. The Jays on, on the wings. Jason Tatum effectively playing the four. Chris Stapps Porzingis at the five. You know, I, I think ultimately you and I both fall into the camp of it, it really matters more who closes than who starts. But what do you think you're kind of what do you think you're trying to read from from Joe Missoula from looking at what he ran out there tonight? Well, I think he's, you know, taking a page out of the old Brad Stevens book and experimenting a lot with different lineups and lineup combinations to see which groups actually play well together. I'm sure Missoula is seeing some stuff in practice. He's trying some stuff out in practice that he's then trying to take to the games. Um, you know, I think. I wouldn't have read too much into Holiday coming off the bench. Just like in hindsight, he would he had only been with the team for like two days, as you mentioned. <laughs> yeah. So I think it makes when you when you make a trade like that for Drew Holiday, when you make a trade like moving Marcus Smart for Kristaps Porzingis, you're trading for Drew Holiday to be a star. You're trading for Kristaps yeah. Porzingis to unlock everything in the offense as we're seeing. And you're also entrusting Derek White to step up into a more empowered role, right? So Al Horford's the logical guy to come off the bench. Um, With the way that Missoula wants to play, I think that it makes a lot more sense to not start the two bigs because it's easier to find um, a balance of minutes there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think the, the first sub tonight, Horford and Pritchard came in, right? Ho- maybe Horford, Pritchard, and Hauser all came in together. It was uh, so. It was so. I remember watching uh, or noting this down. It was Horford and Hauser were the first okay. two that that came in for uh, Derek White and Tatum. Derek White and Tatum. That's right. Right. So it seemed like Missoula was still able to find a lot of opportunities to to go double big, but you don't need to start the game double big, especially with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown being um, as willing to get physical as they are. And also, you just saw the defensive strategy, right? When Porzingis was involved, more or less, they were in drop. Porzingis Mm -hmm. was just hanging out in the paint. But everybody else was switching very aggressively any actions in off-ball or on-ball. And I think that allowed for a lot of disruption in the passing lanes. Anytime like McBride or DiVincenzo or Grimes was coming off a screen action that didn't involve Porzingis, they were just getting, you know, Jalen Brown sliding over with his long arms, Jason Tatum in a passing lane, Derek White there. Drew Holiday peel switching off onto somebody. There's all these great actions and the level of intensity that we saw out of those guards funneling, you know, knowing that you have Kristaps Porzingis on the back line, you have a great rim protector on the back line, you can be a little bit more aggressive, um, you know, disrupting the ball. And I thought you, I think you're seeing right now 
all everybody that was saying Marcus Smart had kind of lost his step over the last couple of years with his on-ball pressure, you're seeing that the difference with Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is just a different level of on-ball defender. Marcus did a lot of great things. He made all the hustle plays, probably a little bit better of a rim protector, can guard up a little bit more than Drew can, um, but Drew can do it himself. He, he can do it himself, but... I think Mar that's like Marcus's secret sauce, yeah. his ability to guard one through five. Um, Drew, he, he can do it, but he's I was going to say, having said that, big ball one, at least for tonight, lives. It, it lives, baby. I, I saw the first possession. I was like, maybe I, maybe I, you know, sometimes like it, you just get kind of lost when you're watching the game. You're like, ah, maybe they just like had to match up this way. But then it became pretty, pretty evident that that was the, the matchup. And, and I think that was part of what you're saying is it allows for easier switches and other matchups. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but Drew Holiday was, was right there on Mitchell Robinson to start the game, which I thought was another interesting Joe Missoula call. Right. That's also, um, you know, a knock on Mitchell Robinson for not having a post game. For sure. For <laughs> you're sure. Not that's, 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 you're not going to be able to do that with a lot. I mean, I mean, that's wow. the thing. Obviously, we have to keep this with a grain of salt. It was the Knicks JV squad tonight. Yeah. You know, it, it was interesting, though, because because they had Jericho Sims and, and, uh, and Mitchell Robinson, which not the most offensively dynamic, you know, twin tower duo, but two really big guys for yeah. you to see this. And Sims is an know, athlete. Yeah, and so if you're going to go with the non-double big lineup and you're playing Jason Tatum at the four, it actually at least was a good test in that sense for you know when you go up against a, a Cleveland and you have Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, different beast. I know. I'm just saying from from this aspect that you actually have you know those those two giants in there. But Greg, you mentioned just kind of the the splits, and that's why for me, it was specifically referring to to Al Horford coming off the bench, and I, and I think for me, you know, Al plays 23 minutes tonight. Chris Stapps just under 28. I think you you know extrapolate that out to a full game. You're looking at Chris Stapps probably somewhere around 31. Al sitting around 25, somewhere in that range. I think that's the right split. I think that's the right split of mm -hmm. of, of what you want. And then there's going to be certain matchups where Al might be closing and Chris Stapps might be off the court where Chris Stapps is your 45, you know, your, your seven, eight inning, what used to be inning eater in a baseball game. And then Al Horford might come in for those, you know, last three to four minutes for defensive purposes. If you need more matchups on the, on the perimeter or whatever it might be. And so I really like the idea of, I think it makes the most sense for Al Horford to come off the bench. I think if you mix and match it with certain matchups, that will be fine. Um, but I do think that, you know, the way that it played out, it it went really nicely. And I think tonight it was it was kind of interesting to see. It feels like if this is a true indication of how Joe is going to play this, you've got eight guys solidly in the rotation. And there's a little little sprinkle of, uh, of Luke Cornette that will get about five <laughs> to ten minutes kind of mixed in there. But that those eight guys. I really liked it. I really liked the way that that Joe utilized the lineups, the way that he his substitution patterns for tonight. And if that's going to be the eight guys with the side of Luke, if that's what you're rolling with, I I, I can't find too many flaws with with what you're going to find. I think rebounding at times will be challenging, but other than that, I, I don't see many holes with with those eight to eight and a half guys. Here's my one flaw that I saw tonight: Derek White and Drew Holiday are not primary ball handlers. Neither of them Interesting. Are. This is a good point. I, I was thinking a little bit about this as, as well, too. Continue. The offense ran best when Jason Tatum had the ball in his hands. Facts. Running high pick and roll, right? So, Miles McBride was a beast. Yeah, he was deep like, up, man. Dude. He, lo he looked like 
prime Marcus Smart on the ball tonight. Yeah, he, he was impressive. And I'll say the shout out to the Knicks culture, man. They have established a culture over there. They're, they're tough as shit. They didn't, mm-hmm. that's their JV team, and they did not quit. And, you know, specifically Miles McBride and Quentin Grimes, I thought were extremely impressive tonight. For sure. So I want to get to this question from one of our viewers on YouTube here from Sayer Osmani. He's, do you think, uh, Drew is going to have more of a defensive impact for the C's or more of an offensive impact with his playmaking ability. I think the easy answer to that question, it's a great question, thank you for for dropping that in the comments, is his defensive impact. You know, his ball pressure, the ability to pick up full court. We saw Missoula go to that full court press. Something for, else I wanted to talk about here. That was possessions. Talk about trying to create your own momentum. That was the, that was something new for the Celtics as well. Yeah, that was the first curveball that we really saw out of Missoula, right? Those um, game changer pl- um, plays that you can go to, um, momentum killers, momentum changers that you can go to. Having Drew Holiday, Derek White, Peyton Pritchard with Tatum and Brown and Porzingis once again on the mm-hmm. back line so that you know if you get beat, you have Porzingis protecting against a, a layup at the rim. I mean, the other part was Jason Tatum and, and Porzingis and Horford were kind of flying around like free safeties back there as they had. And I, I was gonna, I was curious to ask you this. What would you call that the full press zone? I don't know if there would be a specific terminology. They're in a 2 2 one which is a 2-2-1? Two, two, okay. Yeah. Um, but it really allowed for those guys on the back line to play like free safeties, and you saw them break up a couple of, of plays, create a couple of turnovers on that back end of the of the zone. Yeah, so with the 2-2-1 two, two, zone, and y- y- there are ways to break it. The Knicks weren't doing a very good job with it. They clearly weren't prepared for it. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to try and dribble through it, right, which Miles McBride was trying to do. Um, and they were trying to screen the first defender on the ball, but then they were just going right into the second defender, right? So Drew Holiday would pick somebody up, and then uh, Miles McBride would get a screen. He would go off the screen, and Peyton Pritchard would be right there for him, right? And then in the two-two-one press, um, which is a very basic press, you're going to have the the two really athletic wings at the second two spot, right on the second mm-hmm. level. And one of them, I don't know what their read is, but one of their jobs is to take away the middle pass. Right. And the other guy has to drop back and then, you know, the back line might rotate up. Um, But on that press, I just thought it was like the the amount of ball pressure the Celtics were able to create there and to get teams to go into their offense at 12 seconds versus at 18 seconds. I don't know if there are studies out there. I'm sure there are. But the longer it takes for a team to get into their sets, the the less likely it is they're going to have a successful um, possession. Mm-hmm. So when you when you think about teams like the Bucks, when you think about teams like the Heat, you need to be able to go to something else when it you know when Jimmy Butler's going crazy. And you're like, you know what? We can't just let Jimmy Butler dribble the ball up the court and then just like go ISO five possessions in a row against Grant Williams. Like we're not, we're going to have other things that we can do this year. And I think Drew Holiday, to answer that question, is going to unlock a lot of defensive options for Joe Missoula. Yeah. And then to address the second part of that, I, I do want to talk about Drew's offensive impact. Because to me, so far in the preseason, that feels like one of, one of the elements that still isn't quite sorted out as to as to where his role falls. You mentioned, Greg, that the offense seemingly worked best tonight with Jason Tatum as as the main ball handler, right? So I, I think at times 
where Drew Holiday fit within that offensive ecosystem was still a little, a little unclear. You saw it in a couple miscommunications on on different cuts. Some of them, there was a couple times where there was one, at least one of them thinking specifically on the background, just a bad pass. But there were times where they weren't quite sure what was going to be Drew Holiday's spot if you will. Where is he going to be most comfortable if he's spotting up for three? With Chris Stapps, it seemed like a very, it's like a glove, right? It, mm-hmm. it feels very seamless that they're able to play off each other. Like you said, it's opening up things for the Jays. I think, you know, when we're going to see Drew being the lead ball handler, when he's going to be the main guy with the ball in his hand, setting everything up versus who he is off the ball, I think that's still going to be something early in the season to keep an eye on as to what that ultimately looks like because it still feels a little bit clunky for me right now. Yeah, and I think your point about Drew's ability to play out of the post um, is actually going to unlock a lot, especially early in the season as we as we try and find what that balance is. Given the ball to Holiday, like the very, I think it was the first possession of the game, um, the Celtics got the ball to Holiday. They looked for him ducking in. On the baseline, um, then he kicked it out to Porzingis for the right. For the so three yeah, in the, he, the pass ended up at the baseline, but he ducked yeah. in under the basket, right? And they just couldn't get it to him in time. Um, and he just sealed Divincenzo. The pass was a little off, and he th- kicked it out to Porzingis. Um, but that type of offense, I think, is going to be there. Drew's really good in the post. Um, he's really good with his left hand. He's great at turning ISOs into post ups. Um, he he uses his butt really well. He's really strong around the basket, and he's got great touch around the basket. Drew Holiday is not like your typical pick-and-roll point guard. He's not a Trey Young. Uh, He's not a Dame Lillard. He's not one of those guys that's just going to be able to dance behind screens and create offense for the rest of the team. That's not who Drew Holiday is. Um, He's never been that. So I think Holiday is going to unlock a lot of transition offense and he's going to do a lot of secondary playmaking because I do think when it matters, Jason Tatum's going to have the ball in his hands, run and pick and roll for Zingas. I mean, I think he has to, right? I mean, that's that's kind of, if you're going to be in that top five category, which I think Tatum is at the very least, he's right there in that conversation. I don't want to unhash, you know, go, go all in on that right now. Like all those guys, you have to be able to give them the ball and have them be able to make a play or do something, you know, with the ball in their hands late. So the more reps you have, I mean, that's, it's just common sense. The more reps you have 10,000 hours, Malcolm Gladwell, the more times that you have those repetitions, the better you're going to be when the moment occurs. So I think, you know, I, I think this is actually a benefit for the Celtics that they're going, if, if that is the best that they look, that's how they're going to need to look in the moments that matter. Now, of course, you don't, you want to worry about load management and all that. You know, I'm talking about in-game load management, not him missing games, but just the stress that, that goes into that. And so you do want to have the Derek Whites, the Drew Holidays, whoever it may be, pick up some of that. So I think they'll figure it out. I think there will be certain matchups where that's going to be more comfortable. And and I think one thing that, that feels evident, even though, you know, Jalen Brown had the the six assists and I did lead the team with with four turnovers as well is that it you know it's it and it's funny saying this in a game where he has where he leads a team with six assists I do think it still looks like to uh to our colleague Adam's point him as that elite play finisher is still the the best role for for Jalen Brown and so I think there's a couple times where the Knicks forced the ball to Jalen Brown's hand specifically I think it was maybe one of the first possessions in the third quarter it was just an all Jalen Brown possession 
That's not mm. what you want. Like that, he was trying to figure out something with Chris Stapps with the whether it was going to be a pick and roll, pick and pop. Just never really got going. Resulted in a turnover. And so, you know, I, I think it's going to be important for the Drew Holidays, for the Derek Whites, even for the Peyton Pritchards when they're in there that that they can take some of that load away from Jason Tatum. But I think it's ultimately going to be a good thing that in the in the parts of the game that are really going to matter, Tatum's going to continue to get those reps. Yeah, and I thought Jalen played a great game. You're right. He he did have those four turnovers. Um, a couple times he got tunnel vision. He tried to mm-hmm. you know prove he can drive left and all that stuff that Jalen's gonna continue to try to do. Um, it's just when Miles McBride is covering you, just you know PSA to everybody out there this year. Don't try and dribble past him. He's gonna take the ball from you. He took yeah. the ball from Derek White. He took the ball from Drew Holiday. He took the ball from Jalen Brown. He had four steals and he probably had like five or six more plays where he completely stonewalled somebody or deflected the ball. So um, I think that's something that Jalen, you know, he, he'll learn over time to pick his spots a little bit more. Like the when when he attacked um, Mitchell Robinson, right, and he had that great dunk off the pick and roll. Like yep. those are the the spots that Jalen can, can find within this offense. And what I'm really excited about this year, Will, and uh, let's, let's take our final break before we get into these before we get into these over-unders, is Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum's efficiency numbers along with Kristaps Porzingis' efficiency numbers. It's going to be something special. Yeah, the Porzingis efficiency numbers. I'm Like I said, when I was going through the morning box score, he had 20 points tonight. I think every single game, I'm going to be like, that easily could be 30. Because every yeah. single look he gets is is just wide open. And you there's going to be games where all of those shots are going in. And he's going to, you know, before we get to our over-under, here's a quick over-under for you. Kristaps Porzingis. Over under, I'm, I'm going to set my own line here. Let's go over under <laughs> two and a half 40 point games for Chris Dapps Porzingis this year. Ooh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over. Dude. I just think it's going to happen where there's going to be a handful of nights where he's just red hot and he's just getting those amazing looks time and time again, mixed in with a handful of easy buckets. It's it's really exciting to see what he brings to this team. So. That's likely going to do it for the top six. We'll see. We'll check back in after the game on Thursday. We'll we'll at least pop in here and, and review that game real quick. That's when maybe we'll see if we have these, these final roster spots. I know, Greg, you and Adam got into that in the last podcast a little bit about who might be those last couple of guys. Thursday could be their last opportunity. So we'll check back in on that. But let's take our final break, as you said here. And then uh, let's do a little gambling corner from two guys who you probably shouldn't take gambling advice from. <laughs> All right, Greg. So it's getting close to that time of the season. We'll have to lock in some some official bets here before the season starts. Maybe we'll do that this weekend or early next week before the first game. But let's start by taking a look at some over unders. And the way that we want to set this up, we're gonna start. We're gonna look at the Celtics. We're gonna look at their over under win total for the season. And then I told Greg, give, bring bring to this podcast three over unders that you feel like are locks. I'll bring three as well, and this can be from any team in the NBA. And we'll go through those. And just for those playing along at home, uh, we're using the FanDuel Sportsbook um, over-under win totals that they have set up. So let's start with the Celtics here, Greg. Celtics over-under total right now. 54 and a half wins. Last year, just for reference here, Celtics go 57 and 25 as the two seed in the East. 54 and a half. What are you thinking? I mean, after tonight, it's kind of hard to pick the under. the The thing about this team is they're they're new, and all of the pieces work together. 
right? So I think the way that we saw the Celtics get such easy looks tonight, they're going to have some games where they just completely blow people out. Their teams are just not going to be able to hang. If if they don't come ready to play against the Celtics, they're going to get blown out the building. Yeah. Um, now, I do think that the league has gotten a lot deeper. And I think that reflects in a lot of these over-unders being in the f- low to mid-40s. So it's actually really hard for me. A lot really of them in the me. 40s, yeah. Really hard for me. But I think the Celtics, if, if I were going to bet on a team to have 60 wins this season, I would bet on the Celtics. I don't think there's any other team in the league. Maybe, maybe the Lakers. I really like the Lakers Ooh, this year. really like the Lakers. I did, dude. I think the Lakers are going to be really good. Uh, maybe the Nuggets... But I think the Celtics are the team, you know, after the disappointing uh, end to last season, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown really entering their prime. Chris Porzingis being in his prime, coming off of his best year. Um, if there's any team, especially with the new coaching staff and Gundy, all these things, this is the Celtics are betting big on this season, Will. And yeah. I think we should bet big on the Celtics. Yeah, they're plus 100 on the odds right here, and I'm with you. I, I think it's the over for this team. The only reason I would think to do the under for the Celtics is you're just hedging that you think at some point this team is going to have to deal with injuries and, and and try to and try to overcome that. And mostly at this point, you're looking at you know that 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 falling on on Chris Dapp's Porzingis because the Jays never miss time. Al yeah. is going to set out back to backs, but has a track record that speaks for itself. Same with Drew Holiday. Same with with Derek White. These guys just typically don't miss time. And so if you're taking the under, you're thinking Chris Stapps is going to miss a big chunk. And then you don't believe in the reinforcements of Luke Cornett and O'Shea Brissett and whoever else it might be that would have to kind of, you know, prop up that, that front court. I think that's really the only angle to, to not seeing the, the over for this team, especially when last year, like I think we've said it before, this team has a much higher ceiling than what the team last year did. And they got 57 wins with a rookie head coach who has admittedly, kind of stated i was underwater i didn't know what i was doing i mm-hmm. was was struggling to stay afloat and now he has a full coaching staff now he has a full off season to prepare and you've added two all-stars to your team you know and a guy andrew holiday who's a borderline all nba type player as well like it, it's really hard to make that case for the under except for what i said so i'm with you I think the Celtics are a good over bet. So if you're looking for to get those right now, plus 100, FanDuel Sportsbook, over 54 in, uh, and a half wins, I recommend taking the Celtics for that over. With that, let's let's go into the other three locks as we looked around the league here, Greg. And do you want to go first? You want to give me first pick? How, well, how are you feeling? The way that I did this was I started with um, teams that I thought could win 50 games. And I think I misspoke earlier, Will, when I said the Lakers could win 60, I meant 50. Um, okay. I was going to, so, that, that makes way more sense yeah. because <laughs> 60 games is a shit ton of games to win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I, ha- I had the Lakers as one of my teams that could win 50 games. Um, so that's how I kind of started. It's like, what teams do I think could win 50 games? And then I just wanted to check to see what the over-unders were, right? So I thought the Celtics could win 50 games, and then I saw 54 and a half, and I, coming into this, I probably was going to pick the under, but after seeing them tonight, I'm like, all right, recency bias, let's go. Like, let's just, Yeah, let's but, just but I'll say this too. You know, I think because the league is, is so deep as a whole, I'm not going to be surprised. Like, I wonder if there's a line somewhere for how many teams win 50 games. I'm, I would take, I would think it's maybe four teams that are maybe going to win 
50 plus games this year because there's so much parity throughout the league. But I just think the Celtics are, are going to, I think the Celtics and Bucks have such a large gap between them and even the next tier of the East and then the lower part of the East is going to be weaker than the lower part of the West. So I think mm-hmm. that's going to help teams like the Celtics and the Bucks get to that 50 plus win total. Right. So, um, what other teams besides the Celtics do you think Celtics and Bucks do you think that can win 50 games in the East? Or in the, in the league. Yeah, well, let's, we'll, we'll stick in the East because I, I really only think as of right now, there's only one other team that I, I would feel comfortable saying can get to that, that 50 win plateau. And let's put an asterisk next to the 76ers because I need to see if they figure out. Just let me know what happens with the James Harden situation. I would just stay the hell away from, from Philly right now because I, mm-hmm. I, really, I think Maxie's – I think if, Ma- if they can move Harden and just get – even let's just say they get Norm Powell back and, and some picks or whatever. I actually kind of like that move just in the sense that Norm Powell helps you replace some of the scoring. And then you unleash Tyrese Maxey. You can start DeAnthony Melton without having to make a whole big deal out of it. And now it gives your team more balance. Tyrese Maxey will be an all-star if they trade James Harden. That is one prediction that I, that I don't think is that much of a hot take, but I think that will happen. So I think removing Philly, because I just don't know what to do with them, I think Cleveland can go back over 50 wins again. I think Cleveland as a regular season team, where they've added in that shooting with Max Struess and George Niang, you get another year of, of Evan Mobley. Jared Allen being hurt right now, I think he's going to be out for the first couple weeks of the of the regular season for like two or three weeks, maybe, maybe even a little bit less. I think that's one of those blessings in disguise. Let's see what Evan Mobley looks like. How's he hold up at the five? Let's see what their mm-hmm. lineups can look like, because I think the the Cavs are like I said. I I don't know if if Mobley and Allen ultimately are going to work together or be too redundant that they both can't shoot offensively and really kind of clog that up for two smaller guards and in Mitchell and Garland. We'll we'll have to see. But but regular season, I don't see why this team and I think their I think their line is fifty and a half. I don't see mm-hmm. why they wouldn't get back to, to 51, 52 games uh, you know, for them. I, I think it would be close, but I think the Cavaliers are going to be a team that can get over 50 wins. Yeah, I also wouldn't be surprised to see them kind of have a you know, regression to maybe like 46, 47 wins this year. Um, just you never know. You never know with that team. Yeah, I'm but, just higher on them. I think, I think a lot of people are just thinking of, and I get it, the last image of them, not great. <laughs> So I, I totally get that. I'm I'm choosing to kind of look past that uh, because I think there's some things that can be corrected. And ultimately, it's just, do you need to move Jared? Like, I think there's – tell me what you think about this deal real quick. Jared Allen for Lou Dort. Jared Allen for Lou Dort. I think it helps both. It doesn't make both teams um, championship contenders, but I think it makes both teams better. Yeah, I think it makes more sense for the Thunder just to go get Rob Williams, give up a couple of those picks. For sure. That's the, that's the counterpoint to that, for sure. Yeah. I agree with that. Okay, so um, we we said we were going to come with some locks. Mm-hmm. So when I was going over the fifty the fifty win plateau, one of the teams that I came to was the Milwaukee Bucks, and I just said to myself, like, yes, Dame and Giannis are going to be really hard to stop. Do I believe in any other part of that team? And for me, the answer is no. I don't believe in Chris Middleton. I don't believe in Pat Connaughton being elevated to another role. I definitely don't believe in Jay Crowder. Um, I the one guy on the team that I kind of believe in is Beauchamp. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so okay. You been watching some Bucks preseason? I take it. I really like that kid. I liked him last year too. I thought he should have played a little bit more. So I was thinking, I, if I didn't look at the lines first, I said, what would I set the Bucks line at? And I said I would have set the Bucks line at fifty and a half. So mm-hmm. the fact that they're fifty three and a half, I'm a gum going under. 
So that's I think that's a lines. reasonable call. I, I think that's a reasonable call. I, yeah, that, that's that's a tough line. I, I'm with you um, in the sense that it all hinges for me. What what's Chris Middleton? Who what version mm-hmm. of Chris Middleton? If it's Chris Middleton from two years ago before he got hurt in the playoffs when they were when they were going to play the Celtics on the way to the finals, if it's that Chris Middleton. I feel pretty comfortable with them getting 54, 55 wins, but I think that's probably about a five win difference of if you're getting that guy and you're getting him like a healthy version, that's going to play 65 to 70 games, you know? So, so that's the big swing regular season factor for me. Cause you're right with Pat Connaughton. Okay. Jay Crowder. We'll see. I mean, you're championing Mo- Marjan Bochamp right now yeah. as the, you know what I mean? So that's, that's kind of where they're at and you know, where the Celtics are at with Al Horford, he's, He's not a luxury because he is, he is very important to the team. But Brooke Lopez is the same age as as Al Horford and is maybe their third best player if they can't rely on Chris Middleton. And that's just, I mean, he's he's great for what he does for that team, but that is tough to rely on for 82 games to get you to that point. So I, I think for the 53 and a half win total, I'm with you on the under. I think they'll get over 50, but getting to, but, but being more in that 50, 51, 52 yeah. range feels feels a little bit, more realistic all right give me one of your locks all right so let's uh, i'll keep with your 50 win theme that you got here um i'll give you one of my locks here suns phoenix suns 52 and a half wins i'm taking the under okay they're a postseason team they're a postseason team kevin durant has missed game has missed a ton of games over the last several seasons. Bradley Beals, I think, played 90 games total over the last two seasons. Devin Booker missed time last year. We're not going to hold that against him. He'll he'll play a lot of the time, but there's just not a lot of depth there. And all they're going to care about is they're not going to care about seed. They're not going to care about where and, and really who they're playing other than maybe the Nuggets because everyone wants to avoid the Nuggets in the entire league. But other than that, I think they're going to feel comfortable with their firepower versus any other team that they go up against. So I, I think banking on their health, banking on the the parity, especially how deep the West is, which basically every team minus maybe the Spurs and even the Spurs are going to be, you know, pretty good out West. Like every single one of those teams in the trailblazers, even the trailblazers have like a bunch of talent too, depending on if they keep Brogdon and Rob, or if they end up flipping them, like, that's still seven solid real NBA players in Portland. Like there's just no easy wins out there. So the nights that they don't have KD and Beal and Booker firing on all cylinders, there's just not a lot in the tank, I think, around them. Now I know that they, they've got Eric Gordon, Nurkic. I you know, Nurkic is fine. I like Aiton more than Nurkic at this point in their mm-hmm. careers, but maybe he is a better fit. But but either way, I, I just think for them, they're gonna live in that high forties range, forty-eight to, you know. 47 to 49 wins, maybe they hit 50, but getting to 53 wins with all of the health concerns and just being a team that clearly is not built for the regular season, I think that's a that's a good that's a good bet for an under. I love it. Um I'm going to go with a team that this is mostly because of the injury concerns at this point. Um, I'm going to go with the New Orleans Pelicans. I Ooh. haven't even looked at what their over-under is. I'm just going under, whatever the number <laughs> is. And their number is 44 and a half. I feel good about that. Okay. I, I would I would have the Pelicans right around the 40 to 42 win mark this year. That, that's where they were last year, 40, 42 and 40. And I think I heard, I can't remember how many games it was, but it's an astonishingly low number of games that Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson have actually played together over yeah. the last two years. Well, they they played tonight, right? Um, let's see. 
they beat yeah the they Mavs. beat Orlando one hundred four to ninety two tonight. How much did they play? Okay, so yeah, Zion looks like he had a decent game tonight. Uh, five steals from Zion looks like he was frisky mm-hmm. out there. Uh, sixteen the points, six of eight from the field, eight of sixteen yeah. for Ingram. He had eighteen points as well, six assists. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't hate that for you for the for the Pelicans one. I, I think that's one where it's just, it's. I mean, like you said, this is was a really difficult exercise because everybody, especially in the West, is in that like mid forties range, and it's all just mm-hmm. going to depend. Oh, do you get five more Zion games? Then, like, if you if you if you're hoping that you get sixty five, do you end up with sixty or do you end up with seventy? And that's going to yeah. kind of swing where it goes, right? As as to what they could be. But it's yeah, the, the Pelicans are are probably one of the weirdest teams in the league right now. Yeah, I could see them at forty three and thirty nine. That sounds right. Yeah, I could see that. Okay, I like that one. I like that one. Um, let me go to my next one. I think this will be a, a fun one. You actually mentioned this team in passing earlier. Let's go to the Oklahoma City Thunder. So their over under win total is forty four and a half. I think they're probably my number one league pass team. I am going to be definitely locked in to some Oklahoma City Thunder basketball, but. I think this is probably an under. I think this is everybody riding high on SJ. You think it's an under? I think it's an under, yeah. I mean, they went 40 and 42 last year. They're adding Chet. Love Chet. Love the And they sat SGA down the stretch. Last year? I'm pretty sure. No, they made the play in and then and then they almost made the uh they almost made the playoffs. Oh, that was the year before they. Maybe I'm thinking the year before. That was the year before they sat down okay. SGA. Last year they, they they pushed and made it to the play and beat the Pelicans and then lost in the uh, eight nine. That's team. right. That's right. Um, but they were forty and forty two. They were forty and forty two. So they got to get five more wins just by adding Chet and growth. Now listen, that's not impossible, but it's still a team of mostly like guys that are twenty three, twenty four, and under. And there's so much in the West as far as like we're talking about right now with. Just, just high-level basketball teams that are all going to be in those mid-40s. So can they get two, three more wins and become a 42, 43-win team? Yeah. Five more wins with with just Chet. I mean, my concerns with the Thunder, I think they need a little bit more shooting. And I think they played a lot of small ball in a very elite manner last year, and they're getting Chet, but that size is still going to be a problem at certain points for them, I would Not think, which is why which is like I said, why you're, you're saying if they get robbed. And so that's what would change this for the thunder is that I don't know if you've seen how many picks they just added two more second round picks today, but it's something like over the next five years, I think it's 17 first round picks and 22 second round picks, which is just ludicrous. It doesn't make any sense, but that, I mean, if you're betting the over for the thunder to me, you're saying they're going to make the first, maybe not an all in move, but they're making the first step towards an all in move, which would be a move like, like Rob Williams, like you're saying. And so in that case, yeah, I could see 45, a little bit more, but with simply adding Chet, who has never gone through a, a full NBA season and expecting likely progression from guys like Giddy and Jalen Williams, both Jalen Williams, you know, I, I think they will be better, but five wins better, especially with how tough the West is going to be feels like a stretch to me. SGA played 68 games last year. Just, just let you know. Um, okay, I'm going to go to another team that the moment Robert Williams was traded from the Boston Celtics, I tweeted out, I have the receipts, that two teams should trade for Robert Williams. Oklahoma City Thunder, that's my number one pick. My number two pick is to reunite Robert Williams and Ime Adoka. And I am going with the over for the Houston Rockets this year. I haven't looked at it. 
but I knew that I was. I, I again, like I like this blind guessing of the over unders here for you. I'm a big I, fan I, of this. Yeah, because I I heard that all of them were kind of in the same in the same spot. So with the Houston Rockets, let's see where where are they? Why can't I find them right now? You gotta you go up to the anywhere? ages, my guy. It's in it's in alphabetical order. Where am I? <laughs> Oh, All right, okay. my, screen, my screen, my screen wasn't working. I, I, yeah. I, I was going to try to freelance here a little bit and try to, try to buy you some time. <laughs> um, so, okay, yeah, I, I, I would have the Rockets at like thirty-four wins this year. They're at the over/unders at thirty-one and a half. I think the Rockets can go thirty-four and forty-eight. Would that be the right number? Thirty-four and forty-eight. Does that get you to eighty-two? Let me see here. Thirty-four. Yeah, that's right. I think. Let's go with yeah. it. Let's go with it. Yeah. So I, I got the Rockets going 34 and 48 this year. So that's okay. two and a half games over that number. Um, I love um, what they did in the offseason, bringing in Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks just as like guys that are going to play their role. And I wouldn't call Dylan Brooks an adult in the room, but <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> that's for sure. He, he's definitely going to set a tone. And Ime, you know, Ime is just going to love um, Dylan the villain. So yeah. I think with Jabari Smith, they have so much talent, dude. They've got Jabari Smith. They've got Shangun. They've got um, Jalen Green. They've got the the um, Tom. Was it Thompson? Is that the name? Aust- uh, they, have, they, have, they have Amen Thompson. Yeah, they have Amen Thompson on the squad. Cam Whitmore, who's dunking Cam on fools in preseason. Yeah, I think they just have so much on their roster with Ime being the take no shit coach. Mm-hmm. I think he can get them to 34 wins this year. Yeah, I don't think that's crazy, and I think the I think the biggest point that you made is when you bring in guys like Dylan Brooks and, and Fred Van Vliet, they're they're veterans that are going to elevate your team while playing your role. But for a young team, they're not going to take away from the growth that you really want to see from Jalen Green, from Jabari Smith, from Alperin Sangoon. Like those guys are going to fit in pretty seamlessly to elevate you and put you in contested games, but not detract from, Oh man, it's just taking the ball away from, from Jalen Green or, you know, Dylan Brooks is just helping you on your, your defense. He's going to take some shots. You don't like That's Just that's part of the Dylan Brooks deal, but he's going to set that tone that you know that emails that emails all about right so I, I think that's a pretty solid pick i could see that one and i think you know like you said if they do go get a guy like rob williams who seems like that would be a perfect pairing for a guy like sangoon who would need that support in the back end now you would need to improve his outside outside shooting a bit to really play them together um, but i do think that that would be an interesting uh an interesting spot for rob williams who you know just on the rob williams note the more i think about it I, I don't think the Blazers need to trade him. I think there's a world in which they could just keep him because I think he would could work really well with some of their young guys. But if he plays and is healthy for the first 30 games or so, is playing well and stays healthy for the first 30 games or so, they may have to trade him just because there's going to be like four, five, six teams that will jump into a bidding war to give you probably Especially two more he's first making 11 picks. million a year. That's what I'm saying. It's super easy yeah. to match his salary. And there's going to be some teams that are like, this is the guy that is going to make a difference. I mean, I don't even know what I was thinking about this earlier today. I don't even know what Philadelphia has to offer. But if you had Rob Williams on on their bench as coming off the bench when you have Joel Embiid sitting or potentially at times playing with Joel Embiid, I don't know how that would necessarily work. That's That could get a little frisky. The Miami Heat, they were rolling out with Mason Plumley as their backup center last year. If they can, if they can just go all in and say, "Hey, listen, we're only going to score 100 points because we didn't get Dame and didn't really replace our shooting," but you're you're not going to score more than 98 points, and we're going to have 
Bam and Rob on the floor at all times. Sheesh. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's yeah. at, at 10 to 11, there's a lot of teams that could could take that chance and make that move. So I think they may just have to sell on him because they're going to get such crazy, crazy offers. But all right, let's go to my last over under here. I'm trying to think about which team is more fun to talk about. Hey, let's do this one because I was kind of surprised that you didn't have it. But I think I think if you had looked at this, you, you probably would have had them on here. Let's go Dallas Mavericks. Forty-three oh, and a half under. Yeah, it's hammer. This is, I, w- I was saving this one because I was like, Greg might have probably have this one, but this is this is definitely the under for me too. Um, just watching even a little bit of their they are gonna suck. <laughs> Uh, you know, try not to read too much into preseason, but God, I do not like almost anything about that team other than the fact that Luca's still going to have some awesome nights. Luca's going to drag them to a close to 500 record, but they're, they're just, they're not getting over 500. I don't think. Hell I just, I just no, don't. dude. I just don't think they're getting Hell over 500. No. Like yeah, they'll be hovering they're, they're around gonna be, it. But, they're going to be, they're going to be 38 and 44. Which is literally what they were last year. So that would okay. be right. that would be on par yeah. with what they. Yeah, I just I just don't know what the Mavericks are going to do with that. And oh god, I I mean, okay, let's, that's let's, a team that could use Rob. They could use Rob big time. They really could. What you you don't want to run it back for the tenth year with Dwight Powell? <laughs> <laughs> I just I dude, I just think that team sucks, man. Yeah. Who do they have? Who do they have? I mean, there's an argument that Grant Williams is their that, third best player. Don't, they, they, I know. They don't it's work together. <laughs> oh, my God. They, they're shit out of luck, man. They fucked up royally. They do not have a good team. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough spot, and you're, you're relying on Kyrie to – I mean, here's the thing. I, I don't even really know what optimal what the optimal version of Kyrie is anymore. But even if you're relying on that, so I guess that means you're just relying on him and Lucas scoring 80 points a night, like, that's kind of your only plan, right? Yeah. Could you? Is there a world in which the Mavs trade Kyrie for Tyler Hero? Would the Heat do that? Oh boy. Get, okay. That's yeah. a, I don't. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm ready for that. Jimmy and Jimmy and Kyrie in the same world. That I. I don't know how the hell that would work. But that is interesting to think about. And yeah. I don't. I don't know what the Mavs move is, but I, I we're, we're together on this one. Hammer the Mavs under. I yeah. do not think that team is is getting to five hundred despite Luca, and that means Dallas fans, you are on Luca watch. It's Luca watch time. I think that is going to be one of the biggest storylines of next off season is when is Luca going to say enough is enough. Well, for this episode, that's enough. We're done. We're done with this episode here of Green with Envy. Celtics have one more preseason game coming up on Thursday against the Charlotte Hornets, and then. Next Wednesday night, tip off Madison Square Garden, Celtics, Knicks. It goes down for real. Uh, we'll have a few more pods and a few more quick hits before we get you all set up for the regular season. But as always, appreciate you for tuning in here. Make sure you are subscribed to us on YouTube. Make sure you're following the podcast on all social medias at Green Envy Pod. Make sure that you are following us on Spotify, Apple, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Come in and check in with your boys. That's going to do it for this episode. Greg. Any final thoughts, and then let us know what we're going to hear on the way out. You're going to hear some music from my band down here in Austin, Texas. This is just for the podcast listeners. We are Black Sheep Optimists, and this one is called Get This High. Peace, everybody. Deuces.
until I hit the floor. Every time I get this high, it's you I find. It don't take much no more until I'm at your door. You cut me to my core, baby. What can I say? You got me on the floor. You know I came to play. I know I shouldn't, but you seem to take my pain away. And every time I score, Jason Tatum fade away. I close my eyes and I'm floating your.